So I, I want to encourage people to take that first step because we're all kind of fans of instant gratification. And this is a way where it's almost instant. It's like the, by the next day, sometimes people are like, I just, my head just feels clearer. I mm -hmm. just feel better. I feel like I'm a little bit more awake. I feel like I'm, I'm doing the right thing for myself. Finally, I'm taking the, taking this for myself. And that happens before that can happen. It often happens before any weight is lost. So this podcast is sponsored by Engineered Tax Services, a subsidiary of Engineered Advisory, whose goal is to support CPAs and their clients to achieve the highest and best use of time and resources. ETS offers specialty tax services and incentives, which help expand your capabilities and ensure that your clients are paying only what is required in taxes and nothing more. To learn more about Engineered Tax Services, go to engineeredtaxservices.com and mention the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast to receive project discounts and a free CPA partnership ebook. Hi, everyone. This is Heidi Henderson, and you are listening to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast for accountants. I am really passionate about people and the industry. And I truly believe that the accounting industry can do better for both our clients and its professionals. So I'm going to share insights from people who have found professional success and who have managed to balance that with their physical, mental, and personal health. So I hope you enjoy, and I hope you get inspired. Accountants can earn free CPE from listening to this episode. Just visit earmarkcpe.com, download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. And now on to the episode. So today on the podcast, I'm really excited. We've got David Greenwald. And let me tell you a little bit about David. I think the timing on this is beautiful. <laughs> David is a certified health coach, a fitness expert, an author, husband, father, former police officer, state level bodybuilder, power lifter. Like his resume kind of keeps going and going. He's got 24, it says 25 years ago in counting, he says he lost 50 pounds of excess. And since 1999, through his company called Leanness Lifestyle University, he's been helping students and members from every walk of life lose excess fat, keep body muscle, and just really manage the craziness of life. And so, you know, I was excited when I came across David because there are so many questions as to what exactly do we follow? It's like everything is constantly changing from this is what you should eat. Well, this is what you shouldn't eat. And now you should go high fat or low fat or no more carbs or no less carbs. No, wait, do more protein. Like <laughs> it's, it's constantly changing. And then from a fitness, you know, I hear all these things like, oh, gosh, you know, it's so important to have muscle. You need to weight lift. But wait, if you weight lift, you're going to get bulky and be all muscly and and it's like, well, no, you should do more cardio. I mean, it's like constantly changing over. What do you do here? What do you don't do? And so I'm, I'm excited for the conversation, David. Also, I hope that people will listen to this for a, a long time coming. But coincidentally, we are here talking right between Christmas and New Year's. And of course, it is the New Year's resolutions that we all look at. Myself included, I work out all the time, but over this last couple of weeks, I have just slacked off. I have been eating nonstop. I didn't exercise for a few weeks because we've been traveling. And everyone's ready to just kind of rev back up as soon as we get to the new year and get started. And so with that, David, I, I, yeah, yeah, I made the introduction, but why don't you start with telling us more about yourself and then let's dive into all of this great stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. So, you know, as, as Heidi said, David Greenwalt, and I've been in the fitness world for 30 some years and way back in the mid eighties, I even owned a gym. I haven't for a long, long time, but I was a police officer. And in the nineties, I had a supplement company. I sell no supplements now. I want to make that clear up front, but I had a supplement company and I built it to a pretty good size, built it to a few million a year in revenue from a little room in my, my home. And my, my initial goal was to just sell enough supplements to pay for my own protein powder or whatever. <laughs> and uh, we ended up doing pretty well with it. And what happened with that is toward the, the middle part of that, that business's life, the internet became something. You know, you, you talk about going back, you know, before there was an internet. Well, the internet came in and I had thousands of customers through that company. And when email came in, they started emailing me 
hey, can you tell me real quick, Dave, you know, what's it take real quick? I shouldn't take any much of your time. I don't want to take much of your time, but in an email, can you just give me real quick the secret to losing 30, 50 pounds and keeping it off for life? Well, I, you know, I tried to give good answers at first and, and I just was like, oh my gosh, I am so doing people a disservice by trying to fit this on the back of a napkin in an email. And, um, so I ended up long story short, I ended up in 98, 99, writing a book that ended up being almost 500 pages. And it, it addressed what I consider still the three pillars that are necessary. It addressed the nutritional component an activity component, but a big one that a lot of people don't talk about, but it's one of the biggest ones to talk about is an emotional fitness component. And so hmm. I got the book out and then the internet was here and it's amazing because it's a two-way communication tool. Holy cow, <laughs> we can have two-way communication. And I say it that way because it's still that way for me, but it was amazing that we could do that. You know, if you authored a book prior to the mid nineties, how did you have a two-way communication with people? You know what, they wrote you a snail mail letter and then maybe you, I mean, it was, it was just almost unheard of, but now we could have a dialogue. So we started having a dialogue and I put a coaching program online in 1999. And anyway, we've been going since 99. I've been helping people as Heidi said since then, and we've been addressing the, the real issues. My education has evolved immensely over these 23 years online. And, um, that's kind of how, kind of how we got started, kind of how I got started as I really wanted to, the supplement business was doing fantastic. And I still started Leanest Lifestyle because I just have this draw in me to want to help people really create the difference in their lives that so many people want. And I wanted to be able to be that trusted source of good, solid evidence-based information that we could then build on and work from a perspective of what's really going on in the real world and how do we really do this? So that's mm -hmm. probably the little bit more about me that I would say kind of maybe fills in some of the gaps. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I love that, you know, it kind of stems with wanting to help too, because I've talked about that in some previous podcasts. I had one guest on and he's, he very much has this personality he, as an accountant of really just wanting to help people yes. and finding fulfillment in doing that. And I think it's amazing you found your niche in this area with being able to kind of write a book and, and make a living by going out and kind of coaching and helping people. So in the last 20 some odd years in doing this, I'm kind of curious to see what have you seen change with people or with society in the last 22, 23 years you've been specifically working in this program? That's a great question. I think I could, I, I'll start it with maybe what's been a change, you know, in me as a coach. And it, it, it looks at kind of what's going on with, with people as a whole as well. So even though we all supposedly have more free time, and I have to say that, you know, we all kind of almost have to laugh when we say that now, but because we're not taxed with some of the kind of manual labor kind of things, and there's so much technology that helps us with this and streamline that. It hasn't reduced overall stress levels from what I've seen. If anything, I've seen it go up. I've seen people a little bit more frazzled in the last mm -hmm. 10 years, especially. Um, I've seen people just more, more stressed, if anything, uh, not less. And I've also seen just the continued proliferation of the types of food-like substances that continue to evolve, uh, continue mm -hmm. to become more and more and more a part of... Uh, eating patterns of people. As far as me, one of the huge differences for me is, you know, when I started this, I was in my early thirties mm -hmm. and my perspective was that of someone in their early thirties. I knew what I knew. I had the knowledge I had and I had, I didn't have the depth of knowledge I have to have the empathy. I had empathy. Don't get me wrong. I really cared for people and I always have but I didn't have the knowledge to have the right kind of empathy for what was really going on. And when I started to really understand the idea of compulsions, compulsive eating and everything from food addiction to all, all kinds of its variants, I, it completely changed how I view the process, how I view, um, working with, with people. And it really helped, it really helped me understand how incredibly intelligent people like CPAs and doctors and nurses and lawyers and, and airline pilots and other people that I had that were so 
obviously incredibly intelligent, could find this so difficult and continue to with the messaging that is the most common out there. So there's been those changes, the societal changes, the social media changes, the techno technological changes. And a lot of those technological changes have been good, but it hasn't all come without a cost. And then when we bring in that proliferation of ultra-processed food, food-like substances, and then this idea of compulsive eating into all of it, it's, it's really helped kind of bring all together a difference in, in how I coach. And just knowing what I know now and being 23 years older and having the experience and working with so many good, smart people, helping them really work through what's going on. It, it's been, it's been a pretty significant change from the, from the early on message I might've had, which was kind of the same message you hear so often, which is eat less and exercise more. Yeah. <laughs> it, huh? Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and you know, COVID created this really bizarre shift, I think with a lot of more working at home to your point, technology then allows us to never become unplugged at all right? Uh, and be tied in all the time, but it also has given us other tools for fitness. You know, another thing that I think is really interesting is through the aging process, of course, our bodies are constantly changing and what we do has to change from how we eat to how we exercise and how we feel, whether that's hormonal shifts, whether it's slowing metabolism, whether it's just aches and pains. <laughs> right. I certainly feel that more than ever, right. recovery after exercise and things like that. But it's, it's interesting to me. Uh, I think there has been a, a bigger shift and openness to that mental health and mental health awareness side and balancing that with all of it as well. Because to your point, we're more stressed than ever. And that stress we now also are learning more and more has such an impact on our physical body and how our body reacts to food and how that stress can create this, you know, hormonal changes that cause that as well. So I think it's pretty interesting that you're looking at that holistic view. So how do you work with your your members, I guess, and what does that look like with how you're really looking at the whole person and creating a solution, I guess, for, for working with them? Sure. Um, so because there's a mathematical model that is true for each person, it's not the same for each person, but it will be somewhat similar with regard to, you know, total daily energy expenditure, as we call it, like how many calories do you burn doing everything you do in a day? And how many calories that you do you then need to bring in to either maintain weight, lose weight, you know, or, or gain weight. So there is a mathematical model to this. And the one thing I'm not going to say is that calories don't count. They absolutely count. In fact, they are, I say it this way, calories are king, but they're not the only thing. And mm -hmm. so we, we, we do have to look at that. And yes, just on paper with the mathematical calories in calories out, uh, out model. Um, if we want to lose excess or whatever we want to do, gain, lose, um, stay the same, there is, you know, a, a number that's going to work for you and that input versus the output, that's going to stay the same. The laws of thermodynamics don't change. You know, they might vary a bit because of hormones and age and that kind of thing, but basically they, it stays the same and, uh, we can figure that out. It's, that's great. And that's been the messaging, you know, again, mm -hmm. just target your calories. You got it. Doesn't matter what you eat, just do it. And so we come at it from, there is a math model. However, how do we get people to really do it? And what are we really facing? You know, there's been this notion for a long time of just buck it up, take personal responsibility. It's all on you. You're a consumer, decide differently. And there is a element of truth to that in that ultimately the responsibility is on us to learn and then make changes once we've learned, but we, I, I focus heavily on helping my clients really know, you know, what, what, what are we really facing and what are we really facing is we're, we're facing this, I, I alluded to it earlier, this huge proliferation of ultra processed food intake. You know, there's research out that says that about 60% of, uh, we Americans intake is ultra processed food. Uh, I'm going to say that's way, way, way under what it really is. I would say they have a very loose definition or a tight definition of what ultra processed food is for them to limit it to 60%. Because in my head, that means let's flip it. 40% of what we're eating is quote real food. Um, I'm going to say absolutely not. I'm going to say it's more like 90, 10, 90% ultra processed, 10% real food. 
And I can give a definition of that in a moment if you want to. So, you know, we've got this huge proliferation of ultra processed food. How does that impact us? And why does that matter? And then we've got the elements of what, what's driving compulsive eating. Compulsive meaning it's irrational. It's like you look at it and you say, gosh, I know this makes no sense. Yet <laughs> I continue to do it day in, day out, or whatever it may be, where it's just enough that it keeps you at a place that you don't want to be. Whatever your goal is, whether you want to lose 15 pounds or you want to lose 150 pounds or you, you want to make some kind of positive change in your, your health and fitness. What's, there is a compulsive eating component to this that we have to look at and address. Mm -hmm. And if we don't, for a percentage of people, not all, and not everybody, even if they are a compulsive overeater, is the same. There's a continuum, right? So we have to address that. So we've got the prolifer proliferation of ultra-processed foods. We've got compulsive eating. And then we've got just these elements of emotional fitness, emotional IQ, as so many have heard, mm. you know, where it's like, how do we continue to grow on the inside personally so that we are better life managers? And that's the thing is, I always say this, and this is kind of tongue in cheek. It's not, you know, lock stock. It's not verbatim, but it's, I can teach you what you need to eat in about an hour. I can teach you how to move effectively for health and fitness and, and longevity in about an hour, let's just say. But how do we keep that on track? We mm -hmm. keep that on track by having the emotional fitness tools in place so that you can better manage the crazy stressful day. And when that time, the end of day comes or whatever it may be, and you're like, oh, screw it. You know, I was going to do so good today, but I'm so buried and I'm stressed. I'm just going to eat or whatever I'm going to do. You knew what to eat. Okay. Now we're talking, now it's irrational again. It's very emotional and it's compulsive or it can be. How do we, so how do we address real food? Ultra process. How do we address the mm -hmm. compulsive nature of this, which there is, which almost, I hate it when people say no one's talking about this. There are people talking about it, but not very many talking about mm -hmm. compulsive eating. And then how do we continue to shore up the emotional fitness side of things that, you know, we weren't taught in high school. Our parents did tried the best they could to give us what they could to be good people, but it just, you know, they could only do what they could do. They were only given what they were given. So anyway, mm -hmm. we've got kind of three major areas there, ultra processed food, compulsive eating, emotional fitness, and then, and then I'm going to hush and then it's, and so <laughs> we, uh, so we come at each person as a unique person in the sense of, we need to meet you where you are. Mm -hmm. You know, you might be somebody that's got 85% of those areas really down pat. You're doing really well. You're just missing a few things. And it's been frustrating to you because you haven't been able to achieve your goal. You haven't been able to get progress toward your goal or whatever that may be. And it's only been this 15%. Or it could be where you don't take you haven't, you can't take more than 10 steps with needing to sit down because you're just conditioning and health and weight and everything is in really bad shape. Each of those individuals needs to be, uh, treated, you know, differently depending on what their goals are and where they are. So we, we want to meet people where they are, no matter what program it is, mine or anybody else's, it should meet people where they are. And in my opinion, it should be addressing those three major components. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, to your point, that emotional fitness side, I can see would be so so paramount to that whole structure because, you know, I, I look at this and say, okay, you know, if we have an individual who, you know, has an office job, long hours sitting at a desk, very sedentary, out of, out of need. I mean, it's necessity. It's, right. it's life. That's, you know, your, your bread and butter and providing for your family. There's really no way around it per se. Right. Long hours, stressful positions, I think there are a lot of people that feel very, you know, if they really take time to sit and think about their healthy, wealthy wise, the whole yeah. mental, physical, emotional, and psychological, as well as, you know, our foods and all of that part, sit down and look at it and say, look, I'm really unhappy with myself. I'm unhappy where I'm at. But you know what? I don't have time to do anything else. I don't have time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the motivation. I'm insecure about where I'm at and I don't know where to start. I'm not going to just pick up and go to a gym. How embarrassing would that be? Right. What What would you say to that person who they're really not happy with where they're at, but feel like they're where they're at and there's just not an option right now? Yeah. 
I really feel for that person. I really do. And I get it. And we deal with that, you know, every day. But the thing that I, I can smile about is one, there's always a way. There's always a way mm -hmm. to start. There's always a way to take a first step. And mm -hmm. the other thing is that I can say this, and I don't say very many things unequivocally, but I can say this with no equivocation. Unlike any other thing that matters to you in your life, for example, if I thought I could tell you everything that, you know, would be ideal for having a successful 70 year marriage, I could deliver that, but it doesn't mean you're going to get that because there's mm -hmm. another person involved. If I did the same thing on raising good kids, you say, here's everything you need to know to raise good kids. I can deliver that. And if you model that, you got a better chance, but all, it's all you've got is a better chance of having it happen. No guarantee. If I was to share with you, here's everything you need to know to live prosperously, you know, have all the financial side of things, da, da, da. No guarantee, got a better chance. This area is the area that does matter to a, a great number of people. And it is guaranteed if we just stay, take the first step and then put the other pieces in place, it 100% universally across the board, any person can get to and live at a healthy weight. And it's guaranteed if you do, you know, X, Y, Z steps. So as far mm -hmm. as like a first step goes, which I think is kind of what you were looking at, you know, a, yeah. a common one might be, it can be, it can be anything, but let's just say that someone's having three, four, five, six soft drinks, sodas, whatever you want to call them, you know, a day. I'm not even going to say cut them all out. Just cut back one. Cut back from three to two, come back from six to five, just cut back one. You're going to start to make a difference there. And what, what can happen is that one shift can start something else. But the way I would say it is, I would say, make a deal with the universe. And what I do is you make a deal with the universe and you start with something so small that you're 95% or more gr or greater confident that you will do it. And mm -hmm. then the deal is this. And you, and you really make it genuine. You say, I will do this. Okay. And if I do this universe, you have to be happy with it because I don't <laughs> have to do any more. And so mm -hmm. if you cut back the, from six to five or three to two or whatever the thing is, and you do that, you are not obligated to do anything else, you know, at that time on that day or anything like that. It can be as simple as like when it comes to, when it comes to say, you know, getting in uh, a little bit of exercise, you can say, I will lay out my exercise clothes. That's it. That's all mm -hmm. I'm promising. I don't have to put <laughs> them on. I don't have to do anything once I do it. But what happens is a lot of times, and we really have to be careful that we don't punish ourselves by saying, oh, I laid them out, but I didn't do anything. No, you did, you did it. You did the, you, you honored what you said you would do. And, uh, but a lot of times what happened is, what happens is, we'll do the next thing. Mm -hmm. And then there's a, you know, there's a thing you may have heard of that uh, Jerry Seinfeld has said, you know, it's, it's at least attributed to him. He has said that he writes every day. He writes every single day. And one of the things he has done, especially when he was building his career, he wrote every single day. And after he had written for like 30 days, he looked at the calendar and he'd draw an X on the calendar every day. And he said, he thought to himself, I don't want to break the chain. And so, you know, if you can do the little thing, sometimes it can build into a daily, but again, make the deal with the universe. If it doesn't build into a daily, it's okay. You know, have compassion for yourself, treat yourself like a good friend. A good friend wouldn't beat you senselessly for, you know, not, <laughs> you know, doing it perfectly and, mm -hmm. uh, and perfection never is required. So it's, it's about building in, I called it fun deceptional. It's not even a word, but it's like <laughs> the fundamentals done exceptionally. And Got the it. exceptional part makes it so like, eventually you, this is an eventual, by the way, this isn't a day one kind of thing where it's like, you have to start fund, you know, exceptionally. The idea is to build to exceptional because exceptional allows us to be human, make mistakes, not be perfect, but it's still a level up, you know, from yeah. kind of status quo and whatever our homeostasis is. So anyway, yeah, there's, there's a number of things, but the cutting back on a soda, just you know, making that deal with the universe to just, you know, lay out your clothes. There's a number of things, you know, as far as exercise goes, one of the things I think I, if you, if it's okay, I'll just throw out, which is like, yeah. I'm a big fan of when starting of like doing a five minute 
body strength workout. Hmm. Five minutes. Literally, it's done in five minutes. And it can be as simple as squatting to a chair for five reps or not squatting to a chair. Again, meet the person where they are. Someone's, mm -hmm. you know, strapped for time and they're, they're quite capable and have the flexibility and everything. Then, you know, uh, a, a deep squat is fine. That knee push-ups or wall push-ups, if you can't even do a knee push-up, that's fine. Do a wall push-up. You can stand and lean against a wall and really adjust the resistance that way. Five of those and either five crunches, sit-ups or leg lifts round after round for five minutes. And again, if you do that, great. You know, if you're doing nothing, because what happens is you go, the fallacy of either or, either I'm doing it all and I'm doing it perfectly or why even start? And yeah, that, <laughs> right. They, yes. So, so when I was in college, I actually managed a gym and mm -hmm. it was always amazing to see the first year come around and you cannot believe how many people come flooding through the doors of the gym right after right. New Year's. It's the New Year's resolution and they're going to start working. And we would help them with a, you know, a fitness plan. And mm -hmm. without fail, people would come in and they would be there for like two hours. And, you know, and it would be like, no, 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 just baby steps. Just, you know, do this, do this. Oh, no, no, no. I can, I can do more. And it's like, you don't need to do more. I can lift heavier. Well, you don't need to lift heavier. It would say, how long has it been since you've lifted anyways? Well, 10 years, but I'm right. strong. Right. And the crazy thing is the people who came in and just powered it out. 95% of them never even came back the second day. So sore. Because they were so <laughs> sore they couldn't move. Right, right. And then once they stopped, they couldn't get themselves to come back. And so it, it is, it, there's absolutely a um, sort of a catch where we feel like we want to do it all. And it's like, it's all or nothing. I'm going to do it yes. all or it's nothing. Yes. And that is what causes, I think, so much difficulty in building a long-term plan that sticks because when we look at it and say, I'm only going to eat fruits and vegetables and chicken, I'm not going to eat any sugar, I'm going to cut out all the carbs, and then I'm going to work out for an hour every single day. And they do a cold turkey first day right on. It, it lasts, you know, may, maybe, I mean, the, the amazing people will make it a month. Right, right. But rarely beyond that. And I, I love what you're saying about, you know, it literally is looking at the long-term goals, looking at the horizon. And, you know, I, I once did a, a, a discussion, I, I spoke or presented at a college university with some points that were really meaningful to me to be motivated and sort of, you know, approach one's goals. And one of the things I put in there is an object in motion stays in motion. And one of the incredible things is a lot of times it's not about doing everything. Yeah. It's taking one teeny tiny step and doing that small commitment like your point i'm going to lay out my workout clothes every day and you every single day there's something about the repetitiveness and the commitment to the tiniest thing that somehow converts into something that can really stick yeah and you know i, I know i've seen that i know it rings true for myself too even though i want to do it all and then yeah i'm so sorry i can't move so <laughs> right right yes yeah, absolutely so, yeah, yeah you the, know, don't so, don't break the chain you know, it, yeah. but here's the thing, but take the pressure off you to have to even create a chain, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. just start with something and, um, you know, and you can build on it. And again, if we're, if you're coming at it from, if you're coming at it from, uh, at least some, some knowledge on what's the impact of ultra processed foods. All right, it's fine. You don't have to get rid of them all. Please don't. I mm -hmm. don't, I eat ultra processed foods. I, I include about 10% in what I eat. Okay, fine. But look at, start looking at the aspect of what's this mean to be a, what's compulsive mean? What's that, what's that mean? And how might I need to look at that a little differently? And then the emotional mm -hmm. fitness part is just kind of continued personal growth, you know, so that we're better life managers. And if you're yeah. doing these small steps, again, you don't have to be doing all this other stuff, but if you're doing these small steps with those things playing in the background, then you can come at it from a, a more of a big picture, you know, and more of a, a, a global perspective, a macro perspective, so to, so to speak, because so many people come at this and think they're deficient. They're mm -hmm. broken. Everybody else has it figured out. They don't. Why do I have this area professional in my life, you know, a CPA or whatever I've got going on, and I've got this area, man, I'm, I'm very competent at this. I'm very good at this. I'm skilled. I'm all of this. And, and in this area of my life, and in this area of my life, why is it this area? It just struggle over and over, you know, why? 
I can't say this strong enough. It's not you. It's the messaging that has been delivered for 50, 60, 70 years that despite its good intentions, and I don't come at this from a, there was a malevolence to it. I don't. I come at it from the messaging didn't approach solving the issues, even at the three-legged part that I've talked about today. It just took it more from a personal responsibility, total calories, calories in, calories out, eat less and exercise more. And I, I always say I could get on the tallest building in your city and scream with a bullhorn, eat less and exercise more. <laughs> and precisely zero people will change because everybody, <laughs> especially CPAs are going, I get it, David. I know mm -hmm. there's a math to it. Calories in, mm -hmm. calories out. And then, so mm -hmm. we have to then go, and we've known this for 50, 60, 70, hundred years. Why aren't we doing it? Yeah. Well, ultra processed food, compulsive eating, and then the emotional fitness tools, especially in our staggeringly fast paced changing world, our obesogenic mm -hmm. world we're living in, it all has to kind of come together in little pieces and mm -hmm. in progressive pieces that aren't overwhelming. Yeah. So like you what? said, just throwing up on somebody and saying, okay, it's day one, chicken breasts, broccoli. Yeah. I need, <laughs> I need you hitting the weights three times a week for an hour and running five. Holy moly. You know, yeah. people, everybody, yeah. including me is like, I'm out. Yep, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not sustainable. And, and we all fall into that trap. I've done it, you know, yes. and you, you fall into the trap and you know, it's, it is, it's the hardest thing to, to maintain and certainly doesn't help with the long term. I had a gentleman, Steve Adams, who was on the podcast a while back, and he was a CPA, and uh, he, he told this great story that he had gained a bunch of weight and really sat back and realized, oh my gosh, what has happened to me, and made a commitment to himself. And I, I had to give him kudos for this because I'm, I'm the opposite of this. <laughs> you know, I, I always have to do it first thing in the morning or nothing happens. But he made the commitment that no matter what, literally, he was going to walk around the block every night after work. And he started literally walking one block and it just, he tells a story. It progressed from there to where he's right. like running marathons. And it's right. so bizarre. It was just the commitment. He says there were sometimes one o'clock in the morning, he would go out and walk around the block because that was the deal that he made with himself, you know, as simple as it was that then continued to progress from there. So that was really, really fascinating. And I think it really ties into what you're, what you're saying. Um, what are the, what are some of the current stats? I mean, tell us some of the compelling data for where we're going as a society and not only societally, but individually, you know, what we're seeing with people and their health and the impact that has on their lives. Yeah, it's, th that's, that's one of the things is, you know, in 1970, we had about 15% of us in the United States here who were obese as defined by a BMI of 30 or greater. Hmm. And today, according to the CDC, it's about 43%. And wow. so it's two and a half times-ish, you know, more than it was 50 years ago. And we as humans, as a species, have not evolved that much in 50 years. It just doesn't happen that fast. So there's been an, an externality to this, you know, that's, uh, that's driven it. But we've got... Uh, massive increases in non-communicable diseases, you know, every, you mm -hmm. know, cardiovascular disease, pre-diabetes, diabetes. We've got, you know, childhood that one in four kids either have pre-diabetes, you know, or, or, or diabetes. I mean, it's, it's insane, you know, what's going on mm -hmm. and all of these non-communicable, you know, issues are, are rising tremendously, you know, and I try not to put other than the, uh, you know, the obesity, you know, uh, numbers and the non-communicable disease, you know, aspect out there that it's all rising autoimmune issues, non-communicable diseases, cancers, and so forth are all rising despite all of the messaging from top governmental experts, uh, health experts, educators, and, and you name it. We're just going in the wrong direction. And one of the things that's really staggering too, is that there's like three classes of obesity. So class one is that BMI of 30 to 34.9. And then class two is 35 to 39.9. And then class three is a BMI of 40 or higher. The fastest growing class of obesity is class three. So our heaviest groups are, is the group growing the fastest. And they, they predict that within about 10 or 15 years, that we will be over 50% obese. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, so if we keep going in the direction we're going. You, you know, what's interesting is I, I hadn't really thought about this until you just gave these stats because I read the, the book Shoe Dog. It's the, the story of Nike. I don't know if you've read it, but no. it's actually it's a great book. Um, so he tells the whole story of starting Nike and then the, the whole kind of run. Now, I actually went to school in Eugene. I ran track and field, you know, track and field capital of the world. Coolest thing ever. Some amazing years there. One thing I found fascinating about that book is that when he founded Nike in the 70s, nobody exercised. That was not a thing. People didn't go out and run. They didn't have tennis shoes or running shoes prior to that because people didn't go out and run for exercise. Yeah. And I remember in the, the 90s, we moved to a town in Utah, a small town, and I went out for a run one day. And I remember having come from Eugene, Oregon, where everybody runs at this point in the 90s. And then moving to Utah, I went out for a run. And I remember people looking at me like, <laughs> like, I felt like I was kind of a freak. And is I was she in like, trouble? Why is she running? What? Yeah, right. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I was like, what? what's what's going on? Why, like, why are people staring at me? But my point is that it really dawned on me that in the 70s, you didn't have fitness centers. You didn't have gyms. You didn't have everybody wearing tennis shoes and athleisure wear everywhere they go. And working out wasn't a thing. My parents, that was not something that they grew up with and was part of their lifestyle right. to go out and exercise. Like, like right. they didn't do that. But yet, you know, in your stats back then, 15% of people were obese. And so you think, well, what changed if now we all exercise so much and yet we're at this? And to your point, it's, I mean, it makes so much sense that it's really looking more at our consumables, our foods, our processed foods, what we're eating. And and, you know, what our world looks like from that standpoint. And like I say, I, I just had to say that because it, it yes. kind of hit me. I didn't really think about that as being so impactful because I think so many people do exercise now. And then I want one more comment before sure. I, I dive into how <laughs> your coaching works. Um, I also read another book called A Year Younger Next Year. And I don't know if you're familiar with that book. I'll have to share a link. But I, I thought it was fascinating because to your point also about the changes in body composition and, and lifestyles, a year younger next year really highlights the fact that the aging process that we're used to in seeing people really start a, a pretty rapid aging decline, starting at 50 and then through 60 and 70 to eventual lifespan of 70, is now disproven. It is now proven that with the right diet and exercise, that you can maintain from the age of 50 to almost 70, almost a plateau for 30 years without physical decline. And they've, they're proving it. And that's one thing that really was profound to me, that you know, with maintaining muscle mass and maintaining some of these things, that you know, we don't have to sit here and say, oh, gosh, you know, I'm 55. I, I can't do this anymore because no. I'm getting older and, and declining. That we can push that off. And it's not, you know, just to, for, for listeners, it's not about, look, you, you know, you need to look great in a bikini and no. you know, be skinny and look right. good. And, you know, it's, it's about how long do you want to live and what is the quality of life that you want in the quality of what you're able to do through the rest of your life. Someday, I hope everybody gets to retire. And when you retire, how good will that life be? If you are active and physically capable and able to move and function at a higher level than if you neglected that for the majority of your life and now you're 60, 65, or even 70, and you know, your, your quality of life is significantly reduced. Uh, and you know, that's what I look, look at and, and a huge motivator for me personally, because there are things I want to keep doing that I'm very passionate about, and I want to make sure I can do that until the later years of my life. Um, so apologize for for rambling, but no. back to you and and your, you know, I, I love where you're going in your process. So how do you then correlate this with your members? How do, you know what what is a health coach? What are you yeah. doing? What does that look like? <laughs> and how are you helping people actually implement things like this and change their lives? Well, thank you for the question, and I promise I'll answer, but. There's just a piece of me that's just like, <laughs> just wants to tie in and just, you know, just uh, yeah. agree with what you were saying with regard to exercise. There's research mm -hmm. for a while. There was research that seemed to indicate that we are less active now. And of course, 
for a lot of the, uh, your people listening, CPAs and taxes and accounting and so on and so on, but people that sit at a desk a lot, you might go, yep, makes sense because we sit a lot. Mm -hmm. But to your point of there were no exercise facilities in the 70s, there were no exercise facilities in the 50s, 60s or whatever there was, so few. What's happened is there's research that's come out recently that says that overall our expenditure from activity is not less today than it was then. It's different. So hmm. now people are going to the gym. Now people are trying to do, to do this or do that where we didn't have that available. Instead, it was more manual labor, more physical, less desk, less, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that expenditure part is not, doesn't explain, according to the most recent research, what's going on with our weight going up. And, and, uh, so I just think that's interesting and it ties in directly with what you're saying. It's like, there were no gyms. We didn't, mm -hmm. not too many people were doing anything like that then yet our obesity was much lower. It's, it wasn't, it's not so much an activity component, although it's very important. Don't get me wrong. And then with regard to what do you want to be doing? A, you know, a thought process is what do you want to be doing when you're 90 or hundred? Let's assume that you get to live that long. What are mm -hmm. the things that you want to be doing? Projecting out to that is a really good exercise to do. And then backing up from that. And uh, what the reason I wanted to tie that in is there's this whole continuum of, I think I got to go this way because I'm backwards in the camera. <laughs> sickness, wellness, fitness. That's not like, mm -hmm. on a, like, on a, like a gas gauge. Sickness, mm -hmm. wellness, fitness. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a kind of a thesis out there that basically says, in an ideal world, we would have a tilt toward fitness to buffer against illness, age decline that is going to happen so that when it comes back, we still stay in that wellness area instead of starting between sickness and wellness. And when the sickness and aging things occur, we just flop over to sickness and we're not able to live independently. We're not able to do the things that we want to do. The things you're talking about, you're like, I know I want to be doing things when I'm much older and there are certain things I want to make sure I can keep doing. So what I want to say is that with all of this, we also look at it and say, okay, depending on you know where the person is, we are looking at it to, if we can, at least get to wellness. Mm -hmm. Because wellness is where you get the biggest bang for your buck. If you tip toward fitness, great. But as far as longevity, health span, lifespan, wellness is biggest bang for your buck. Going from sickness to wellness is huge. So mm -hmm. it's really, we come at it with a mindset of, we don't want to, not that we don't want to take, it's not our objective to go from sickness to fitness and there's nothing good in between. Wellness is the sweet spot. But if we can get a little buffer of fitness, then even better. So anybody thinking there will be an age-related decline in, in time, like you said, if you yep. take care of yourself, you can, you can do very well all through your 70s. But there will be an age-related decline if we should live that long. But if we buffer against that with a little bit of fitness and we start wherever we're starting, we can start now and it's never too late. Um, as far as us working with clients, as I said, just because of the breadth and how long I've been doing this and the varied clients that I've worked with for so long, we come at it from that very comprehensive, big picture umbrella mindset. Um, and we're looking at nutrition activity and emotional fitness. We're looking at compulsive eating if there is, if so, there's a path for that in addition to the basics. And then, you know, and we're looking at uh, the emotional fitness elements all throughout, step by step little by little, progressively meeting each person where they are. And so it's evolved tremendously since we first started, of course. And um, that's, that's how we approach it. So as a health coach, I'm really looking at it from that mind, body, spirit kind of thing. And, but I guess I would just kind of say that the three legs that I kind of look at is nutrition activity, emotional fitness, and then inside mm -hmm. emotional fitness, there would be maybe the compulsive eating side of things. And then also um, other things driving what people think they're lacking in willpower. They're not. But anyway, what's driving that? And um, little by little, we help people kind of see what's really going on. We mm -hmm. make sure they know what they're really facing, not just take personal responsibility, buck it up, pull up your bootstraps <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. just um, anyway, we, we come at it from that holistic approach mm -hmm. and make sure that, yes, ultimately we are all responsible for our actions. But boy, is it tough to be responsible for your actions, Heidi, when you <laughs> don't know what you're facing. Yeah. You know, when you don't know what's really going on, what the external obesogenic elements really are. And instead of feeling bad that we can't seem to, quote unquote, give up, you know, something that just seems to be our, our, 
our nemesis, mm-hmm. how do we approach it so that maybe we don't have to give it up, but maybe we can come at it with a different thinking and a different, a different mindset and a different approach so that you start to go, okay, I yeah. wasn't me. I just mm-hmm. didn't know. Mm-hmm. And now that I know, now I can approach it very differently for the win. So right. you know, ultimately yeah. for me, I don't win. I really take it. Don't take it personally. I take it personally. I really do. <laughs> I shouldn't, but I do. Yeah. I want, I want every client to win. I want every client to get it, to take the baby steps. And so we really, you know, the tagline we have is lose the weight one more time for the last time. Mm-hmm. And that's really how we come at it. We really want this to be from the get-go something that is about permanence. Yeah. That is not, don't get me wrong. There's fluctuations, right? Of course there mm-hmm. will be, but not so much where someone has got 50 pounds to lose. They lose it and they put all 50 plus another 10 or whatever. You know, yep. maybe they'll put on 10 pounds over a holiday and then get it back off. There will be ebb and flow, but the idea of losing it one more time for the last time is how we approach mm-hmm. the whole thing. And um, so do you do you have people that are working personally with people that are in your program? Like, you know, are you personally coaching? Is it an accountability thing? Are they tracking stuff daily? You know, what does that in, in reality look like? Yeah, absolutely. See how see how. See how not good I am about talking about the things that are that we that we do like that. I'm like so like here's what we got to do. You know, I'm like, yeah. What do you do? Um, yes, we we have I have myself and assistant coaches that do. Re- we'll reach out to every single one of our clients at least once a week. We will not hunt you down, but we're gonna if you go MIA as we say, which is not uncommon, just in the process of of weight mm-hmm. management. Um, we're gonna try to reach out and see you know how you doing, what's going on. So yes, there is accountability there for sure. We have every, all the tools necessary on the nutrition, tracking, recording, none of it's mandatory, but it, it's all within our, what we call our on-campus environment, which probably everybody's familiar with. Mm-hmm. You just log into one place. Um, it's a web app. It functions on your phone, just like every single app you've got on your phone. And it's got cool. the nutrition, the activity tracking. It's got the accountability. It's a, it's a username, password protected area so that as you're having private conversations with a coach, it isn't going to your email that maybe somebody in your house might see or whatever, <laughs> you know, some of that stuff, yeah. obviously that, that gets shared with us, doesn't get shared with anybody else in their, in their world because they're mm-hmm. embarrassed about it or they're, you don't want to talk, you know, talk to someone else about it. So we keep that private. Um, then of course, on the emotional fitness, the educational side, the educational is, side is we have one lesson a day. And those lessons are going to kind of rotate through nutrition, activity, and emotional fitness. And mm-hmm. then we kind of start tilting it. I know I have to teach you nutrition up front. I know that mm-hmm. I have to teach you the activity component up front. Because at front, no one comes to me and says, teach me about personal growth. They're all like, tell me what to <laughs> eat. Tell me what I got to do. You know. And so there's an element of that where it's like, all right, let's get this. Let's get that not out of the way, but let's get that up front. But then we do tilt the education mm-hmm. in a per- pretty short order toward how do we, how do we better manage life? And it's, mm. you know, it's kind of, it's one lesson a day, it's progressive. And, uh, and that, and that's with the coaching all throughout where we've got account, you know, the accountability, motivation, personal support, it's all built in all throughout because it's needed. It really yeah. does. As they say, you know, take a village, so to speak, and going it alone can happen. It's just mm-hmm. not as easy and not typically as effective as having some support. Yeah, for sure. Well, and and some of those apps, you know, there's times that I'll I'll track food, and for some reason, it's it's very helpful. I mean, sometimes it's a little bit of a pain, but but even if it's just for a week, sometimes I'll do it for a week, right? And it's very revealing when we think we're somewhere, and then we really start to track, and we realize where we're actually at can be quite a bit different than what we actually think we're doing. Yes. Um. And so, you know, that's a huge component as well, and. We may go a little bit long here, but I I wanted to talk about one other area and talk about this for listeners as well, because one thing that I learned years ago that really was profound for me, and hopefully it's encouraging for a few people, I'd like your feedback on this. When I was in college, I had written a paper on eating disorders. And one of the things I learned that I thought was fascinating is the reason they're so dangerous is because the brain rewires itself. Yes based on how the body reacts to food. So if people have a mental or physical reaction to something they ate, even if they forced it, the body then is immediately, or the brain is saying, 
that's bad. That could be poisonous. That could be, you know, that could make you sick. And the brain will actually rewire itself to make you never want to eat that again. Yeah. And when I read that, I thought, that's really fascinating. And then, you know, over the years, I've tried some of these, you know, dumb eating challenges just for the heck of it. You know, I've done the whole keto thing or I've done, you know, paleo as painful as it is. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things that those have done for me is, although that's not something that I'm like, oh, I'm going to go keto for the rest of my life, going through, say, a 30-day eating challenge is not something that people need to look and say, look, I'm never touching sugar. I'm never touching carbs again in my life. It's really fascinating that it changes the way you feel. And as you change the way you feel and the way you think about food, it does actually rewire your brain. Yeah. So I, I wanted to point that out because I, I have seen in my life and with other people that you it's not as if you say, look, I'm never, ever going to have another soda again. And now I'm going to crave soda the rest of my life and be so sad I never get to drink that soda. Yeah. The crazy thing is your body and your mind evolve. Yes. And those types of cravings go away. Mm -hmm. That's what's really fascinating. So it's no, you're not putting yourself into this torture chamber for the rest of your life and you have to suffer through never having another donut. But it it's strange how your body will adapt because I I love donuts, but I very rarely eat them anymore because I stopped eating them for a long time. And then when I did, they actually will make me sick now. And so I'm like, yeah, they, they're really good. But when you realize it makes me kind of sick, they're really not that good. Right. And so it changes. So anyway, let you know, share a little bit about that side of it, too, because I, I, I think it's important just to reiterate that it's not like, look, in order to be healthy and to change your lifestyle, you need to suffer for the rest of your life. <laughs> no, no. And there's and there's really um, there's really this aspect of I always say maintenance so let's, mm-hmm. hey, we've gotten we've gotten to where we want to be, and now we're going to maintain. I would say maintenance is not the absence of action, but it is a much less intense version of what you were doing to get where you are. Okay, so there's still going to need to be conscious thought and action, but it's much less intense. Now, don't get me wrong; it's not like I'm saying that it, you know everybody starts again at whatever and it's crazy, and then you get to maintenance and you get to back it off seventy percent. It depends on what's going on. Some people, it's just small change all the way. Some mm-hmm. people, it's a little bit more aggressive up front and they lose a little faster. And then they had, then when it comes to maintenance, there's an adjustment there that's different. So there, there's that aspect. Um, there is no finish line, so to speak. And that's a, mm-hmm. that's a mindset too, where it's like, oh, thank goodness. I crossed a hundred meter. You know, you were a sprinter, <laughs> you were, you were a track athlete, you know, whatever. I crossed a hundred meter. I broke the tape. I'm done. And there's yep. no done. And so mm-hmm. our, our program too, when it comes to the nutrition, doesn't have a nutrition program for loss and eat and a different nutrition program for maintenance. There are differences built into Mm -hmm. the, we have 15 nutrition fundamentals. And within those fundamentals, there are nuanced differences that says, if my weight is right where I want it, whatever that is, if my weight is right where I want it, then there's a little bit more, there's there's a more loose version of whatever, okay? And it doesn't get crazy tight otherwise. I'm just saying that there's little nuanced differences to really drive home the point of, it's not eat this while you're losing, Mm-hmm. You know, we go back to whatever, you know, when we're not, as far as the, 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 the neurons and the mental side of things, you know, there's, and a lot of people have probably heard of this, but there's something called neuroplasticity and neuroplasticity mm-hmm. is that basically the, it used to be thought up until about 10 years ago or so that the brain, once it got to a certain point, just didn't really change much, but they've now just blown that completely apart. And through something called neuroplasticity, what we've learned is that with continued success in different behaviors, your brain can rewire and it can rewire for new habits. It can rewire for new good behaviors that um, help drive you to wherever you want to be and help keep you to wherever you want to be. Um, there's something, I'm not a neurologist, so I, but I, I remember, I, I believe it's called Hebb's Law and I, it goes... Neurons, neurons that fire together, wire together. So when you were oh. talking about these things getting just like locked in, right? Mm-hmm. When, when, when certain neur- neurons are lit up, they wire together and they become kind of like, okay, this is what I do now, or this is what I don't do now. Mm-hmm. And that can change. And what I always tell people is the thoughts are going to come. There's a book called You Are Not Your Brain. 
a really, <laughs> it's a really good book, a book written by an MD. And it has to do a lot with all of this neuroplasticity and Head's Law and all that. And um, one of the things that I really appreciated about what he said, and I've continued to, to share with, with students when, it, when it's appropriate, is people say, Dave, coach, whatever they call me, I still have thoughts about whatever. Now, I'm not acting mm -hmm. on them, but I still have thoughts. And as, uh, as, as the author had said, the thoughts are going to come. What's going to help really rewire the brain and get those, the, the, those pathways really entrenched and locked in is what we do. It's what we do after the thoughts that gets the neuroplasticity uh, and the wiring to be together. Um, that's the most important aspect. So I'm only saying this to say that one, the brain can change, habits mm -hmm. can change. What has been in your past and as a part of your life doesn't always have to be. You're not destined to always be a certain way, even if you have a family history, even if you've been doing this since you were a child, even if, and we can just keep filling in the blank with that, you, it doesn't always have to be this way. Um, it can change. The brain can really change. And, um, and there's, there's hope with it. So yeah, it's, mm. it's a real thing. It just, you know, it just ties into the, the neurology, you know, of the brain, yeah. but I was yeah. so glad when I read whatever it was 15 or so years ago, this aspect of neuroplasticity, I was like, oh, finally they're yeah. saying, you know, the brain <laughs> can really change. And I just look at those kinds of things as so hopeful because we're not destined to whatever our past behaviors have been. Um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, we can, we can Absolutely. just make those. And as, and as our brain starts to see the positive side of making these little changes and we continue to act consistently with who we want to be, it just gets deeper ingrained and deeper ingrained and deeper ingrained. It doesn't mean you've heard, you'll hear from some smokers, past smokers that'll say mm -hmm. once in a while, I still have a craving once mm -hmm. in a while, depending on the situation, I feel like I still want to light up. The ones that are successful usually don't. But that doesn't mean that they don't necessarily have, have something there. But there's been a huge change if they get to that point and they're not taking it, you know, they're not acting on it. And it's at least similar to a degree when it comes to the lifestyle uh, changes here. So, yeah. Yeah. Huge changes. And yeah. um, the brain is amazing. Yep. Oh, it, it so absolutely is. And, um, you know, I, I agree with you. And I, I think, you know, to your point, baby steps is key. I hope this podcast is timely for a lot of people. Um, you know, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? I would say real simple. Since the company name is Linus Lifestyle University, everything that any, you know, as far as links, social links or anything, uh, contacting me, anything at all will just be on lluniversity.com. That'd be the easiest place to go to. Okay. lluniversity.com. Oh, that's yep. nice. Okay. And then they could reach out to you or to your team that Absolutely. way and kind of look around a little bit. Um, want to make sure just give that resource to everybody in case they're interested in, in talking with you. But I think what you're doing is fantastic. I love your approach. And, you know, again, I think it's so timely. I hope people mm -hmm. listen to it and kind of consider you know, ultimately that it's baby steps and, you know, it's one little tiny change here and there. And it really does add up to make a significant difference and uh, can, can apply in all things, both personally as well as professionally. So absolutely. Um, so grateful for you sharing. Do you have any last insights before we close? You can win this. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of people that are just, they've been beaten down by this, but, and mm -hmm. I get it. I really do. But you really can win this with just a little bit more, just a little bit of new. Okay. A little bit of making sure that you know what you're up against. And this isn't a, it's not ominous. It's not like, oh gosh, you know, it's like, it's so big. You can't know. But once you know, you go, be darned. Uh, you know, I'm not, it's not a knife at a gunfight or whatever you want to word. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm, I've got, the, I've got what I need now. And when you have that, it's so empowering. And I, and I, I guess I'll say this because I thought of it earlier when you were talking, those changes, like even before, let's just say someone wants to lose some amount of, of extra fat, extra excess, the changes on the positive side can happen even before the first pound is gone. Cause even once you start to do that, I'm going to, I'm going to walk around the block. I'm going to cut out the one soda. I'm going to drink one glass of water and I don't even drink any water. I'm going to drink one glass of water in a day. Even when you start to do those things, no weight has been lost in the first three days or whatever the case may be. I, I can't tell you how many people I see just have that positive mindset change and they just feel better 
and it's, it doesn't have, you don't need 20 pounds off to feel the difference. And so I just want to encourage everyone to, when you make those little changes, mm -hmm. you're going to notice a difference. And it's not just in your head. I mean, it is in your head, but it's also physical. It's physiological as well. And so I, I want to encourage people to take that first step because we're all kind of fans of instant gratification. And this is a way where it's almost instant. It's like the, by the next day, sometimes people are like, I just, my head just feels clearer. I just mm -hmm. feel better. I feel like I'm a little bit more awake. I feel like I'm, I'm doing the right thing for myself. Finally, I'm taking the, taking this for myself. And that happens before that can happen. It often happens before any weight is lost. So I just want to encourage everyone, no matter what you do, no matter who you choose, no matter what the program is, no matter whether it's me or anybody else, do it. You can do this. You can win this. If you've got the right tools and support and, and you can really see those quick changes. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, David, thank you so much. I really appreciate you being a guest on the show. Uh, I do think that this will encourage some people. And, you know, that's the whole reason I do this show. I am super motivated to do something totally outside the box to feel like I make some little bit of a difference uh, in people's lives to encourage or motivate them in some positive way. So uh, you've been an amazing resource and I'm so grateful for you joining us. So thank you. Have a wonderful afternoon. We'll share your website links and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me.